Welcome back to the Inviting Shift podcast. Thanks so much for being here. I'm very excited about the conversation I have for you this week. This week, I talked to Amber Rose West, who is the creator and host of Women of Color of Confidence podcast, and she works as a confidence coach for women and entrepreneurs. Amber Rose works with teachers, coaches, and creatives, helping them reprogram their self-talk to minimize their inner critics, perfectionism, and comparison so that they can cultivate a stronger, more confident speaking voice. And if you think that just because Amber Rose loves to talk, that she suddenly has no fear when it comes to speaking, you would be wrong. I'd love you to tune in and see how Amber Rose talks about confidence and what we can do to show up more confidently. Well, welcome Amber Rose to the Inviting Shift podcast. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for our chat today. Me too. And you're such a lovely woman with lovely energy. I don't know that people can read all of that through the audio, but I want to tell them. And um, I just, I want to hear a little bit more about your story and how it is that you get to do what it is that you do today. Yeah, absolutely. I am a confidence coach and a public speaking coach. I work with women business owners who are trying to figure out how to become more visible in our online space. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I love working with women, especially around the confidence it takes to, you know, get on camera, be on social media, or really promote their products and services is because there are so many amazing women out here who have innovative ideas and creative products and services that they want to offer people. But the confidence piece to get in front of their audience, the confidence piece to talk about their passion and their purpose and why it is they started their business uh, really begins to bog them down. And so I, you know, originally in college, I studied health communications and it's a mix of communication skills and communication styles, but also it talks about what actually happens in our bodies physiologically and what happens in our brains psychologically and chemically around the different types of communication that we have to have to live as adults. So, you know, that that intrapersonal communication, which is talking to yourself, your self-talk, your inner voices, and then we have interpersonal communication with other people. Um, and that includes, you know, different places that you use that communication. So the communication you have with your family, your friends, your coworkers, potential customers, clients, all these different kinds of communications, and then how that works inside your brain and your body. And naturally, I gravitated towards working with women very early on. And through the work that I was doing uh, earlier in my career as a doula, and um, I was hosting women's circles, I fell into confidence coaching and public speaking because those two things are really a passion of mine. And so um, it's led me to my business now and my podcast, and it's just been such a pleasure to work with women who really have I mean, amazing businesses, amazing products and services, and to watch them go from feeling like, I, I, I know why I created this, but I'm afraid to share it. Mm-hmm. I know why this is important, but I, you know, I don't want people to think I'm silly or this is trivial. Like it's really important to me. And that vulnerability piece that requires us to step outside of ourselves and show why it is that we created our business, watching women go from one end to the other has just been such an honor. Mm, that must be amazing. I've never heard anybody say that they're 
passionate about public speaking. <laughs> and that is awesome because I think it's something that women, especially at, uh, I work with mostly women, so I'll just stick with women. Um, they really struggle with being seen sometimes or giving themselves permission to be seen mm-hmm. um, and not take all the external comments and feedback to heart, you know, and it's always that that one negative, right? And as we talk about the internal and the external, whether it's the negative that we're giving ourselves or the negative that we're getting outside, it's like, that's the one thing that we focus on instead of like the hundreds of people are like, oh, you're doing great. Rah, rah, support. Here's the millions of things that I did right last week. And not just that one thing that I messed up. Yeah. It's very much our nature as, as humans, especially for those of us who have to be a little bit more um, visible and vulnerable with what it is that we're creating to immediately go to the negative or the worst thing that could possibly happen instead of thinking about all of the different steps in between, mm-hmm. you know, the best that could happen and the worst that could happen. Our mind immediately goes, Zoop, well, this is the worst that can happen. So it's probably going to happen. And we <laughs> right. do disasterizing around all of that. But, um, you know, part of what I teach is how to start from the best that can happen and then everything in between. And how do we prepare ourselves as business owners and public speakers for everything in between and the best that can happen, not just focusing on this worst case scenario outcome? Yeah. Having this big picture view of it rather than like a realistic view is what I tell my clients. Like, it's not about being positive Pollyanna that, you know, mm-hmm. tomorrow I'm going to decide I'm a singer today and tomorrow I'm going to get a Grammy. <laughs> like, that's not what this is about, <laughs> yeah. but it's about seeing the whole picture. And, you know, the, the part that we focus on is anything that will bring us fear. And that's just natural to us because that's how our brain works is it's looking for anything that might be unsafe. But I think that sometimes we really confuse safety with discomfort mm-hmm. um, is a huge piece because like, if it's going to be uncomfortable, all of a sudden we're like, oh, we can't do that. <laughs> right. And change is uncomfortable. I mean, growth is uncomfortable. I think, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know about you because you're passionate about public speaking, but the first time you took a big stage, were you nervous just because you're passionate oh. about it? Did it mean that you had no fear? <laughs> Oh, no. Every single time I do any type of public speaking, I still have nerves. I mean, even doing this interview, I had some nerves. I'm a little flushed in the face. I had to sit here and rub my hands a few times and just kind of settle into my chair and know that, you know, the conversation would be good. But there's all of these things that come in whenever you public speak and and whether you're in person or you're using your camera and you're doing something like live streaming or, you know, podcasting, YouTube channels, all of that you're you're in front of people and 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 one of the things i think that we we think about it but i don't think that we we know we're thinking about it is that people are going to see it right we think a lot about the fact that someone else is going to see this and that's always going to impact us somehow i still get very nervous even just behind my computer it's one of the reasons why i have these beautiful plants in my recording space hmm. because i know that i'm going to have some sort of nerves a little bit of tummy a little bit of sweaty palms when i come to do any type of interview whether i'm interviewing someone else or someone else is interviewing me or i'm going live And I know when I walk into this space, these beautiful green plants are here and I focus on their green and their leaves and how much they've grown. And I take a moment to be with them, which calms me down a little bit. 
And then, you know, as I'm looking at myself on the video screen, my plants are with me, a little bit of a calming thing, right? And so the fear, I don't believe ever goes away for anyone. The nerves don't go away for anyone, but we learn the different ways for us as individuals that we can manage those nerves and still continue doing the hard thing. Right, exactly. So it's about not letting the fear of something stop us. We can ask that question, is this unsafe or uncomfortable? Well, interviews are just uncomfortable sometimes, you know, (laughs) (laughs) because you don't know what's going to come up. You don't know how you're going to necessarily respond to everything. Because just in case you listeners are wondering, we don't actually pre-plan everything that we're going to talk about. We just kind of let the conversation flow because I think that we end up picking up the pieces that are most important to um, the people that we serve. Mm -hmm. And so you still get nervous. So Mm -hmm. we can, we can learn to be, and and I don't know, how do you deal with your nervousness? I heard one step is that you have these green in your, in your studio. So something that we can take with us that might, and, and if you're going somewhere, I know for me, I often have a bead or a stone or something in my pocket that means something to me. You know, it's my safety security touchstone. So I'll often um, keep something like that around so that I have something to touch. We just heard Amber talk about how she touches, you know, um, her hands, but I touch like little rocks and stuff. And it's just a way for me, at least, to get grounded and be like, mm-hmm. okay, this is going to be okay, right? And calming mm-hmm. almost that like little inner girl in me down, like yeah. this is going to be okay. We are going to be seen, and this is going to this is going to be actually good. We want to do this. Yeah. And I love that other point that we made earlier. Second tip that I'm pulling up is, mm-hmm. you know, seeing that all the whole thing, right? Yeah. So you don't just look at, oh, what if I trip on the stage? What if I fall on my face? What if somebody doesn't like what I'm saying? You might, those things might come up, right? I mean, of course, they're always going on in the back of our mind, but we can also look at, what if I really touch somebody with my message? Mm -hmm. What if somebody is really impacted by what I have to say? Isn't that what we're doing it for in the first place, most of us? And not everybody does public speaking. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't do public speaking, I'm about to turn this (laughs) off. This is how we manage fears in any part of our life, right? Mm -hmm. Is that we can see this big picture and take something, a touchstone or something grounding with you. Awesome Mm -hmm. tips so far. Yeah. I believe that the the inner critics play a big role in the emotions that we're feeling when we're put in um, positions that we're not normally in. So Mm -hmm. um, I love how you said, you know, being a public speaker may not be something that you want to do, but all of us public speak throughout the day. We go into situations, we're not necessarily sure what's going to be there, who's going to be there, what's going to be said. Um, And that can be something as simple as walking into the grocery store, you know, and you have to talk to certain people there. You don't know where something is, you're being checked out and they're trying to make conversation or, you know, somebody's lost and they're asking you for directions. That's also a part of public speaking. Mm -hmm. And some of those things can be fearful for us or nerve inducing for us. Um, and I like to say for, for moments where you don't have the thing that grounds you, what you always have with you is your mind and your Mm self-talk. And yes, that may include inner critics, but one of the most pivotal ways to, you know, quiet your inner critic is to learn what it's saying and why it's saying it. And then using mantras to go back to your inner critic and say, you know, thank you for making me nervous because, you know, you thought for a second I needed to be nervous because of whatever's happening, but I can see now it's not something I need to be nervous about. I'm going to go ahead and talk myself down from here. And 
I don't need to be this nervous about this thing, right? And whatever kind of kinds of words spark that de-escalation inside of you are the ones that you should use for your mantras. For me, I <laughs> I very much talk to my inner critics. I go, hey, I see you're trying to make me safe, but wait, I don't need you right now. <laughs> I'll see I, you later. Yeah, <laughs> I love that because I I I do this with my clients is I have them do like a little visualization. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that our inner critic is like our loving auntie. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's in this little cottage and she's screaming from her cottage door. You're going to screw <laughs> this up. You're going to mess up. You're, you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? So I go visit her. I put her in her little rocking chair. I cover her up with a blanket, <laughs> give her a cup of tea. And I'm like, great. Whatever you're going to say, you can say once. Like, yeah. that's it. You can say it once. Let me hear it all. And then after she's done, she falls asleep. And when mm-hmm. I leave the cottage, I can choose what is true and what isn't. Because Mm -hmm. there are some safety concerns sometimes, or even discomfort concerns, right? That we can actually address Mm -hmm. or just be aware of, right? Mm -hmm. Like it is true. I could trip on the stage, but what am I going to do if that happens? Well, it's not going to be, it's not unsafe. It's just going (laughs) to embarrass me, right? So that's not a true safety concern. So I can leave with just what I think is really true. And I can leave the rest of that there because I think she's just trying to love on me. You know, she would wrap me up in bubble wrap if she could just to keep me really safe or put me (laughs) in a rubber room. Like, and that's how I try to look at her because anytime I've ever like looked at her as an enemy, she just gets louder and louder and louder. And it's like, whoo, then I really can go a little nuts in my brain. Yeah, yeah. And those conversations we have with ourselves. You know, they're really good to have before you get to that situation that, you know, triggers them on, you know, sure. I like to do a lot of journaling and reflection because it helps me sit down with something that has happened and, you know, acknowledging and being honest with myself to say the way that I reacted in that situation was not how I wanted to react. And that situation, I do my best not to dwell on it. Mm-hmm. That happened. It's over. But if it happens again or something similar happens, what is it that I want to do instead? Or how do I want to think or feel instead? And then I use my journal to kind of brainstorm, you know, and sometimes I feel like this sounds so silly, but it is so helpful to me. I realized I was in a situation, didn't like the way I reacted, didn't like the outcome that happened. Great. There's going to be an opportunity to do it again. And you can do it exactly the same way, or you can choose a new route that supports you, that motivates you, that makes you feel good and confident. And even if it's not exactly what you want it to be, maybe it's better than the last time where you remember and you're like dwelling, pulling your hair out because of what happened. And it can be really helpful to take that reflection time and then, you know, brainstorm what you want. Right. And reflection time, just for those of you listening, is not about shaming ourselves or being like, oh, I screwed this thing up and getting stuck there. The way that Amber's talking about it is like she is talking about just reflecting. This is data. This is already what happened. I can't change it. And it's okay. Right. I had somebody on that was like, whatever you say about yourself that seems negative, you can just say, and that's okay. Yeah. Right. Right now it's okay that that's where I am, that I showed up this way, even though I didn't want to, because the only way that we can change it in the future is if we can accept it without shaming ourselves in some way. And we may not get it right the next time, right? We might just get closer to understand, like closer to being mindful about where that choice can be changed, right? Like if Mm -hmm. I pop off at my husband 
And I don't realize it for three days. If the next time I pop off, it's only a couple of hours and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'm getting closer to the point which I can change that. So I think being kind and patient with ourselves is a huge part of dealing with insecurities, whether it's fear or it's public speaking or whatever it is, is um, that's what I heard from you is that there's not a shame in this. This is about a reflection. How could I do it better? Mm -hmm. That's all. We may get it. We may not. And we'll keep trying, right? Yeah. The awareness piece of that is so key that it's, it's not about meeting yourself with judgment about it happening. Um, but it is about being aware of it and noticing the way it made you feel or noticing the thought patterns it put you in. Like all, all of a sudden, if you're dwelling on it for hours or days at a time, how distracted are, are you from the other things that you want to be doing? And so you don't have to say, oh, I'm so, I'm so dumb for being distracted by this. I'm so dumb for thinking about this over again, or oh, I just can't believe I did. It doesn't need to be any of that. It gets to be an awareness um, that you can look at it and say, I'm doing it again. Okay. I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) Or I want to do something different and engaging it from that perspective. And I will say, this is one of those things that I don't think, um, you know, the dwelling piece wasn't a piece that I really understood until I read the book, the confidence code. Um, and it, it has a study inside of it that talks about the confidence gap between men and women. And it, I can't remember off the top of my head, so don't quote me on this, but it's something like a 60% degree of difference in how long women dwell on past actions, behaviors, or thoughts, and how much men dwell on past actions, behaviors, or thought. It's a huge gap in between the two. And the research that came out of that, they studied these women and the women who were able just in turning off this one action, the dwelling, Mm -hmm. I did this thing. I wonder what they thought. I wonder if they're talking about me afterwards. Is this going to affect my job position is, you know, are they still going to be my friends? This whole dwelling thing. When, When women turned that part off and learned how to stop dwelling, their confidence, their self reported confidence increased a lot Mm. just from that one piece. It's the difference um, between uh, what we teach girls and what we teach boys and how that's translated into men and women. And I just found it so fascinating. And when I read that, I was like, I do this. And I know so many women that do this. I know so many clients who do this. And so it's definitely included in my curriculum. How do you learn to stop the spiraling and the Mm. dwelling? And what you know, the way that I like to frame it is what is, what is, what is the benefit of you dwelling? What's the uh, benefit of you? Being right. Stuck? Our is brain thinks that we're going to like solve something, <laughs> yeah. but we really don't. Right. No, we just spin it thing. in circles. I mean, in this dwelling, I can so relate to this. Like I remember even like 15 years ago, every conversation I had during the day, I'd have to like reflect on it and be like, did I embarrass myself? How did I mess up? I could have said this instead. And it was like, what a suck of energy, right? I mean, because and that just stays in the back of my head all day long. Remember, you said that thing last time. Don't say that thing this time. (laughs) Instead, like the whole, here's how I solve this situation. I don't think about it. If it's that important to me, I ask the other person, hey, I know I said this. Did it bother you? Like, were you offended by that? Or I know I messed this thing up. Like, how are you feeling about that? We don't know what they're thinking unless we actually ask about it. And I think that that's the piece that 
is the huge difference between men and women is women were raised to be judged. Um, we judge each other, men judge us, but for some reason, men aren't judged nearly as harshly as women are. And so they don't really care how they show up. They're like, I'm fine. As long as I'm going by the law, I'm fine. Like they, they yeah. don't care. And they're the first ones to, to admit, yeah, that was dumb. I'm just not going to say that again. And it, that's it. They that's just move it. on. You're like, you know, I, I've had many a boyfriend in the past who would do things or say things and I'd be like, don't you remember you did it? Yeah, that wasn't the greatest, but I'm just not going to do it again. And you're like, right. is that easy? You could do that. <laughs> right. right. Like, I'm like, it doesn't bother you now. And they're like, no, I like it's bit. over. Why would I continue <laughs> to think about it? Why can't, and, and I, and the, why are you dragging a dead horse? Right. Like I've already been over that. Like, and it's so easy, but like, we'll hang on to it forever. Like I can remember things I did wrong in the third grade if I really sat <laughs> and thought about it. So we've all done things that could be better. And that's part of humaning. I think that I think people forget that it's part of humaning. We're not meant to get it all right all of the time. That's just not how the universe works, especially for humans. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to we have to be able to get to this point where we can stop dwelling because I, like you said, this is what is keeping us in shame and mm -hmm. guilt is like, we're constantly sucked into this negative vortex of like negative self-talk and all this other stuff instead of um, just looking at it as data, because if it's data, it's something I can change. Like, okay, well, I said this thing, huh, not going to mm -hmm. say that again. Yeah. Like, and I think that it can be a practice for those of us who are, you know, living with empathy and those of us who are practicing our awareness and, you know, doing reflections and doing the work. Um, we can truly believe that there's nothing that we're saying or doing that is so harmful to ourselves or other people that we have to dwell on anything. Everything right. gets to be a learning lesson. If if we know that we are taking the time to be compassionate and caring that we aren't stepping over anyone or, or using really harmful, you know, words, language, behaviors um, towards anyone, and that we're taking the time to be self-aware and to take that reflection time, then it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to look silly sometimes. It's okay. Um, but just making sure we're not carrying it around for days, weeks, months, years with us, because by doing that, we are impeding our ability to continue growing and learning in other aspects of our lives, which can be really important to us as we grow. And especially being confident, right? Like if we talk mm -hmm. about confidence, it's, I don't know, it was almost impossible for me to feel confident if all I was doing was dwelling on all the things that I could have done better. I mean, it just took away from me because in anything else that goes wrong, I'm blaming it on myself. I'm shaming myself. I'm just, um, and I get stuck there, right? And then I always end up, I can hear my inner critic right now. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, and I think that might've been something my mother used to say to me, but like, that's that, like I go through this whole spiral and at the end of the spiral at the bottom, it's like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> You know, and that can, that, what a question that is. We get so stuck there. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> instead of dwelling, what you're saying is we can take the data. We mm -hmm. don't have to shame ourselves. We can say, hey, I'd like to do this differently next time and check off that box and let it go. Right. Yeah. Learn the lesson and let it go. 
Yeah. And I, I am a brainstormer, you know, sometimes it's not enough for me personally to say, I want to do it different. My brain goes a little bit deeper, deeper into what would you have done differently? Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes it gets to be a trial and error. You know, what if the next situation happens, you try what you think is a little bit better. Maybe it's, you're like, oh, that didn't feel right either. Like mm-hmm. the beautiful thing about being a human is we have endless possibilities and endless opportunities and, um, you know, we don't have to dwell so much on everything. We get the opportunity to try new things until it does feel right or feel better. Right. Right. And that could be different for all of us. So this is mm-hmm. Amber trying to say, this is how you need to communicate, but it's more about communicate in a way that feels good to you, whether that's with yourself or others, right? This is all about communication. And I love that you're including the communication that we have with ourselves because we see that as different. Like somehow those voices just have to show up that way or that they, we have to get stuck in there. And we really don't, you know, if we can start just shifting small things, like, is this unsafe or uncomfortable? Okay. It's uncomfortable. That just means this is a hard thing. And I can choose to grow through this thing if I want to. Um, If it's unsafe, I can look at the unsafe factors, like what is actually the safety factors. But really without the reflection or the mindfulness, we don't see any of that. We just kind of go through our life. um, And then often women are allowing fear to kind of guide them and go, oh, well, I'm scared. So that must mean I can't walk forward. And Dr. Susan David has like the greatest quote, um, about fear. She says, uh, what did she say? Courage is fear walking. So mm-hmm. courage isn't just feeling the fear. Like you still have to go do the thing. That's the courageous thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that. Courage is fear walking. Cause it really is, you know, one of the things that I've learned in my course study and, and through working with other women is that these inner critic voices or, you know, the imposter voices, I I like to think of imposter syndrome more like imposter voices or imposter feelings. Mm -hmm. So these imposters and these critics that we have inside of us, um, you know, the longer we let them live in our brains and in our hearts, they're real sneaky. They're really sneaky. They start figuring out how to make themselves sound like you. And so then Mm. you go, this is what I, this is what my inner voice is saying. This is what I sound like. This is how I talk to myself. Right. And, you know, part of my program is, is deprogramming that, that, that hardware or the software that's in there to be able to say, Hey, I know that these are the thoughts that are going in there right now. And they got their mask on their little voice modulator. They sound a lot like me, but I know that they're not me because I would never talk to myself like this. I wouldn't talk to my kids like this. I wouldn't talk to my friends like this. That's how I know that it is not my voice. And so then you have the opportunity to break those voices apart and we work through breaking them apart. And then once they're all apart and you know who's saying what and why and when, and then you can kind of, you know, say, that's something that I used to say to myself. And that is over that, that character, that, that critic, that imposter is over there. And now what do, what is it that I want to say to myself? How is it that I want to self-reflect? How do I want my true, authentic, interpersonal voice to engage with me as a person while I'm out here doing hard things every day? And that really becomes a powerful place of building self-confidence and, you know, self-respect and authenticity altogether. When you, when you know what your true voice sounds like and you can separate it from the critics and the imposters that are in there. Yeah. And the imposter it's about, I mean, for me, the way that I describe it always, it's like, 
we're stepping into new shoes. They're always going to feel uncomfortable, you know, or we're putting a new hat on that we never had before. Mm -hmm. If I'm stepping into a leadership position, I'm going to feel like an imposter. I'm going to hear those inner critic voices because I'm challenging myself. My clients run into this. Even I've had clients for a year or two and they're like, I thought I, I, ditch this uh, voice. I thought I was confident now. And now all of a sudden I'm questioning myself. Yes. Every time we grow to a new stage and put new shoes or a new hat on, we are going to, these voices are going to come back every time. Mm -hmm. I think what's really beautiful though about them is that if we manage them enough times, we start, it becomes easier. We're like, yeah. oh, right. I know that voice. I remember not, that one. That. Yeah, I've heard that one before. That one's <laughs> yeah. not very helpful. I'm just not listening today, right? Yeah. And so that we can just, it, it gets easier to shut them down rather yeah. than um, just continuing on with, with that spiral, right? We can catch mm-hmm. it much earlier in the spiral is what I have learned. As soon as I start saying it now, I'm like, Ooh, what's going on for you, Christina? (laughs) This is feeling like old familiar and not in a good way. (laughs) I talk to myself all the time and I check myself constantly because I still, I mean, I'm by profession, a public speaker and I talk to people all the time and I am very visible, very vulnerable a lot of the time. And every once in a while, I'll just hear like, that was, you know, why did you do that? Nobody likes that. And I'm like, why would I say that to myself? Amber Rose, that was very mean to say to yourself. Why would you say that? You know, I and, like that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel I like you're talking to your inner child. That wasn't very nice. That wasn't very nice. And hey, like we are nice to each other, nice to ourselves around here. And we have respect for ourselves around here. And you know, it does sound kind of childish, but when I get into those moments, I'm like three nice things about yourself or three nice things about your video or three nice things about, you know, the effort you put in because it really is the action of deprogramming yourself, getting out of that spiral. You know, it's very easy. One of the things I hear from my clients a lot about, you know, negative self-talk um, or judgmental, shameful self-talk is they say, well, no, nobody hears it. It's just, you know, I'm just talking to myself. And I'm you like, hear it. yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but you hear it and you're an important person in your life and you deserve respect. And that includes from you, my friend, like you have to make sure that you're respecting yourself because even if those things do not come out of your mouth, the words that are in your head will vibrate through your body, your skin, the different things you say and and how you act with yourself that still comes out, even if you're locking the words up in your brain. And if you treat yourself like that in your head, it still leaves the energetic door open for other people to disrespect you in real life, right? So first and foremost, it doesn't matter that you're the only person that heard it. I like to play this little game with myself that's called, um, what would I do if someone else was in the room? You know, so it's like, if I say it in my head, and it makes me feel a certain kind of way. I think, what would I do if my best friend was standing in the room right now? Would I tell myself that I look fat and ugly in this dress? No, because my best friend would whip her head around and say, why did you say that about yourself? We don't talk to ourselves like that around here. And I I would have that moment of, you're right. We don't talk to ourselves, right? You know, if, if I had somebody that was in the room with me that I knew loved me and they heard me talking to myself the way that I'm talking in my head, would they, you know, intercept? Would they help me step in? And then you learn how to be that for yourself. You know, you learn what it is that you're saying to yourself and whether or not it's something that like one of your best friends or your mentors or teachers would appreciate you saying to you. 
And then you you reverse it. What is it that they would say? And how can I say it to myself? This podcast is supported by Christina Smith Coaching as a service to get you to have more confidence and self-love. One way we do that is by bringing what we learn into our bodies by lighting up our senses. Some people call these types of exercises rituals. I think they're really alignments. Something we do each day to align with what we truly want rather than getting stuck in the default of trying to outrun what we don't. I bet you could use a little self-love ritual today and there's a short quiz or survey to pick the best one for you. You can go to the link in the description to take the free quiz to get the self-love alignment that is right for you right now. You'll also get a download of five self-love rituals so you can switch it up and try one each day. Our little thank you for tuning into our podcast and into your own heart. That's really a really beautiful way of of looking at that. I had a thought, but I think it just flooded my brain, just what midlife is about, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... I have one client. Oh, I know what I'm going to say. I have one client right now where she has such a negative self-talk tape going on in her head. So one of the things I have her doing now is going up to someone in her family every day and telling them one awesome thing she did that day. And she's been doing that, which has been helping. And now we've added on because she's like, I've just gotten comfortable saying good things about myself. And I was like, great. Now you're going to go up to them tell them your, your awesome thing that day and then go, and I'm awesome with your awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, I want I you to start bringing it into your body so that every, cause like you said, you know, it does, it gets in ourselves. It's the vibration we're putting off. It's the energy. It's the body language that other people can see. You know, if somebody yeah. is t- shaming themselves in their head, they're not showing up like, Hey, doing i want to connect you know they're (laughs) they're like a little bit shut down even if we think we're putting that mask on there's still a different energy and for me it's like it's the colored glasses that you're wearing right if i'm talking negative about myself i'm also going to see the world more negative but if i'm talking awesome to myself i'm going to see more awesome in the world so it's about the perspective that we're we're choosing to put on yeah I love that's really great. I um and uh, I live alone and I don't have family nearby. So my house is just me and my kitten fig. Um, and one of the things I do all the time is when I do something good, I go, Good job, Ambrose. Good job, Ambrose. And I say it when I like, I just did it this morning when I put away the last of my laundry. Good job, Ambrose. And it's one of those things that I, I do it very regularly, but I don't notice it when I'm by myself. But when I'm like with friends, you know, dinner party or we're out at the beach and someone like puts up the umbrella. Good job, Josh. And they're like, good job, Josh. I'm like, <laughs> good job. And I'm like, you know, or I do it to myself in public. Like I'm doing something. I'm like, good job, Amber Rose. My friend is like, did you just tell yourself good job? And I'm like, yeah, I did. I sure did. <laughs> And it's one of those things that, you know, I used to be embarrassed by it. I've been doing it for like eight years now. I used to be embarrassed by it. But then to see people's faces, they'll ask me, did you just say good job to yourself? And I'm like, yep, yep, I did. And they're like, 
it's cool. <laughs> you know, nobody it gives them permission like, now to go and say yeah. good job to themselves, right? They're <laughs> like, yeah, well, Amber might look a little silly, but she looks happy about it, right? <laughs> exactly. And I, I laugh it off and I giggle and I'm like, yeah, because I did a good job. And to see their faces, you know, one of those things where we're afraid of what people's reactions would be. Nobody has ever said, that's dumb, Amber, or you sound silly, or what for? Like, nobody's ever said that to me. Everyone's always been like, Huh. You know, like they either shrug it off or they smile and giggle or they're like, that's cool. And yeah. one of my girlfriends just started, I met a new friend here and she started doing it. I'm telling myself, good job. And I'm like, doesn't it feel good? It's just like the littlest little thing that you can, you know, pat yourself on the back for. And it's just, it's such a simple activity, you know, yeah, giving I ourselves validation. Yeah. yeah like, right after a hard thing, like some of the business things I have to do in my business that I don't really like doing, like writing copy or, you know, doing other things like that. I used to be like, oh, it's copy day. I hate this. <laughs> yeah. I have and that energy came out in my copy, right? <laughs> but now I pump myself up in the morning. I'm like, you are the best copywriter. <laughs> yeah. So good today. We're getting so good at this. And then when I'm done, I'm like, Great job, Christina. Great job. Pat yourself on the back. You're awesome. This is you. You did it again, you know, because it just it makes it a little bit more fun. And my sometimes I talk about this with my clients and they're like, that's so silly. I'm like, yeah, but as long as your brain is being silly, it's not being negative. (laughs) And would you? Yeah. You're like people say it's so silly. And I'm like, silly to who? And it's only silly if you say it. I'd rather be silly than (laughs) self-deprecating. Right. And, you know, those little things that we do for ourselves that we um, fear other people judging us for, they actually are like the most meaningful. These little things like I wash the dishes and I, good job, Amber Rose, like that is amazing. And there's nobody else here to tell me good job. There's no husband, there's no boyfriend, there's no kids. So if I don't tell myself good job, who's going to tell me? You know, this and I would like one way re- that we can reparent ourselves too, right? Yeah. I mean, because this is some of us never got the good job growing up. So it might feel really uncomfortable saying it at first because you're like, I'm supposed to like your friend, like, I'm, what are you telling me? Good job. Like, yeah. this is just what I'm supposed to do. But if we've never had that kind of support, it can feel hard at first. But again, make it silly if you need it to feel silly or make it feel however you want it to feel, but just try it. I would, I love this one really great tip. If nothing, if you try nothing out of today, I would love you to start telling yourself when you're doing a great job, because I think it also reminds us of how many things we're doing right. Because at the end of the week, like when I do a weekly review and my intentions and everything, I could easily go look back at that one or two thing that I mess up. Instead of all those things that I could be like, great job, Christina, look at all this stuff you got done. You did all these hard things this week. Good for you. They may not have been perfect, but you did them. You went and you did the hard thing. And that alone is like a huge piece because competency is about, is the first step to confidence. Like we have Mm -hmm. to get competent at something. And so when we go to do those hard things, it's not going to feel natural. That's when we get that inner critic and that imposter syndrome. And we're going to instead just like, yeah, I, I might mess this up because that's what confidence is really about. Like, I'm going to do this knowing that I can mess it up, but I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I would say that most people don't give themselves enough space to be bad at things. Mm. They don't give themselves. And I think with women, you know, we talked about this earlier in our chat that 
you know, we are taught to judge ourselves and then dwell on things. And so the idea of being bad at something or starting something new and not being, you know, immediately proficient at it, we, uh, I don't want to spend any time judging myself or hating myself because I didn't do it right. Or I made a mistake. So I'm just not going to do it. And you're like, okay, but there's like so many more amazing things in the world to try and do and, and not do, you know, there's just so many great things. And so by you being un, by you feeling like you already know you're going to judge yourself and feel shameful because you suck at something you've done one time that you've never done before, it just really limits your, your experience. Right. And I know that you were telling me that your audience tends to be in transition from different stages of their lives. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed with my clients who are in that transition is that they don't want to explore because, you know, they're at an age where they're thinking, I can't learn anything new, or this isn't going to make me feel good. And they're really focused more on like them not being able to do it or enjoy it rather than the possibility that they could love it or be love really, it. yeah, um, or that even if it does take a couple tries to get into it or a couple tries to get good at it, that it's worth it to keep doing and keep trying it. But we get stuck in this. Well, this is what I know, and I just am who I am, and like I'm just going to keep doing all of this stuff. But you still feel a bit of unfulfillment. There's something that you're like. There's a little more. I feel like I could engage or do or you know anything, but we get so afraid of the shame and judgment we'll put on ourselves because other people, and this is a little pro tip, people care way more about themselves than they care about you. (laughs) So (laughs) we worry so much about what other people are going to think or say, or all of this. And so we don't explore or learn new things or take the time to be bad at stuff because we're worried about other people. And it's like, if you can learn to release the judgment and shame that you would give to yourself, you could have a whole new world opened up to you. Yeah. And I always say like, failure is part of mastery. Like even if you're the most talented artist in the whole world, you failed on a few things. You did, there was paintings that you made that you did not like, that you thought you wasted your time on and your tools and everything on. Like, like failure is just part of our mastery. It's just, you can't, you can't get really masterful at something without failing sometimes because that's where we learn. That's where, that's where we get our competency and our confidence is by going, okay, I've done it enough times that if enough things go wrong, I now know how to handle them. Yeah. Like I can handle them. And so I feel confident about that. It doesn't mean that everything's going to turn out perfect. It just means that when the failure comes, it's just a bump in the road. I can just get over it and move on rather than dwelling on it for days or months or giving up painting altogether because I did one bad thing. And so if we could just remember that we can't get better. You didn't first time you went to tie your shoes, you didn't just tie them. Like I mean, how have you ever Pro seen status. a toddler? Right? <laughs> I mean, have you ever seen a toddler try to tie their shoes? It's like a million times before they finally get it. Yeah. And they don't give up. And that's what I love about that childlike energy is like, Mm -hmm. it's about learning, right? It's not about necessarily mastering it the first time. And that's what the part that should be joyful. That developing of the skill is something that they will not give up on. And it's so admirable of our Mm -hmm. children. I'm really reminded of one of my first business coaches. I was very fearful of starting my own business because I didn't want to fail. I didn't, and I didn't want to suck. I didn't want people saying that I was a bad coach or I didn't do um, a good job coaching or I made a, I made a, 
program that didn't work. And she said, you know, at the end of the day, nothing is a failure. You, it can be a lesson into how to do it better. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, that's been seven years and I still think about it so often, like nothing is a failure. It gets to be a lesson. And uh, it's really funny. I was giggling when you, when you started this, this little part of the chat, because I um, decided this year or last year to take up embroidery. And I've been wanting to create this very specific style of embroidery that I've had a really hard time finding examples for. Like my art background is in painting and I started doing henna about eight years ago. So I do like the henna mandalas and, you know, the temporary body art and there are different styles of henna. But I wanted to do something that combined the style of henna and mandalas into like a 3D embroidery. But I couldn't find anyone that had already done something similar that I could like piggyback off of. So I made the first couple ones like three or four inches, you know, and the first the first one I made, I was like, okay, but it's a little lopsided. And the next one I made after that, I was like, this is amazing. Okay, I'm going to do this forever. (laughs) The (laughs) third one I made and it was so bad. And I got so frustrated with it that I like ripped the canvas and the string out of it. I was so and I was like, I'm never doing this again. And then, you know, I had an idea that was sparked by my parents and I was like, this would be a really cool gift to give them for the holidays and the new year. I've been thinking about them. My friend had been talking to me about art therapy and how you can create a piece of art while you're thinking about someone or missing someone and infuse some like good loving feelings into it and send it off to them. So I decided to make these two embroideries for my parents and these things came out so beautiful. I was like, showed them to my friends and they were like, you did not make these. And I was like, I designed them and then I made them and they're so cool. And they were like, you're going to keep them forever. Right. And I was like, they're for my parents. They were like, you have to keep these. They're so cool. And I was like, see, this feels really good, but there was a journey into this new activity because Mm -hmm. I've never seen anybody do it the way that I wanted to do it. So I had to be innovative. And there was that, you know, little hiccup, totally cool. I love this. Yeah. And then that middle part where I was like, I'm never doing this again. This is so horrible. I can't believe I wasted my time. And from that came these two very beautiful pieces. You know, my mom, she's like, I cried (laughs) when I opened this up and I was like, well, that's cool. And now I have a new skill with an innovative, creative new design that other artists aren't doing. And I can do this, you know, as much as I want to. And it's very Very special. Yeah, yeah, but you wouldn't have gotten there without the failure. You know, like nope. we have to we have to get it wrong sometimes, folks, or else we're like an entitled child that believes that they should get a trophy at every competition or yep. and that's just not the truth of it. That's just not how it goes. And so starting to be okay with the fact that we're going to get it wrong and I think that it drives back to the dwelling idea mm-hmm. that if we give ourselves permission not to dwell on the mistakes or the things that didn't show up the way that we wanted them to then we can push past it it mm-hmm. becomes easier because we're we're not making it all about our identity or who we are as a person or you know judging ourselves so harshly right. we can just say ah yeah that one that one's not as good <laughs> we're gonna, <laughs> yeah. we're going to pitch that one in the fire and start over and i've had to do that so much with painting cuz i didn't start painting until i was in my 30s or 40s and because mm-hmm. I had art teachers that gave me a lot of their opinions and so i was scared to be I, like i'm not an artist yeah and 
there's lots of paintings where I'm like, they get pitched out on the back, (laughs) out on the backyard sometimes is what happens. I pitch them. I'm like, ah, (laughs) I pitch it. But then, you know, it doesn't stop me from going back because I do enjoy the process. I do enjoy what happens. Not, I mean, the product isn't, I don't think the product needs to be what it's about. Right. And you are building a skill. Yeah. Yeah. And it's part of your process and you couldn't have gotten to that great gift if you didn't do the hours of stuff that maybe didn't feel so good or didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to. This is a lovely conversation. I know that we can go on forever and ever and ever, (laughs) but we do have to come to an end at some point because somebody's going to have to go do something and they're not going to be able to finish this. Um, (laughs) So I know that you um, you have a gift for our guest. Can you tell us about that? Yes, it's called Overpower Your Insecurities. It's a 14-point audio guide that goes through common insecurities that people feel from negative self-talk, um, having a hard time with judgment, comparison, imposter syndrome, uh, learning how to stop complaining or being around people who are complaining all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I end the 14 points. There's about five points at the end that are more about the goodness of building self-confidence, you know, mm-hmm. self-acceptance, self-respect, um, really understanding how it is our self-talk uh, when we use it with a smile, things like good job and those kinds of things can really help reprogram and rewire your thoughts, especially if they spend a lot of time beating you up. So um, I created it as an audio guide rather than a PDF or a video guide because I also have a podcast. And so I've found that a lot of people enjoy, you know, putting the audio on, being able to do other things and not feeling like they have to stick their eyes to a screen or, or do homework around it. So it's really just meant to be helpful advice on how to overpower very common insecurities Um, And I created it because I feel like it's the very first step for people when they're wanting to work on their self-confidence in any way. Um, It's really hard to build self-confidence in a place where your insecurities are running rampant. Mm -hmm. And so before we start building your house of self-confidence, we have to lay that foundation without the insecurities there. And so being able to understand, address, and manage your insecurities is the first step to creating more confidence in your life. So uh, I hope that you all enjoy that guide and that it gives you some good clarity and cleansing with the insecurities you may be experiencing. Beautiful. Thank you for being here today. Such a lovely conversation. All of Amber's Amber Rose's information is below. If you are wanting to reach out to her, you can definitely do that in the um, description. I have all of her links. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you, Christina. Always a pleasure. And thank you, podcast listeners, for tuning in. Hey, one more thing. When we are all more confident and full of self-love, we can act more intentionally and mindfully. What would a world like that look like? I want to know. One way that you can help me with this vision is to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you listen to it. It helps more than you know, and it's just a few clicks to help me create a more beautiful world. And as always, remember to be gentle with your humanness.